Well, welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. We do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, we're following up uh, on uh, the continuing series, uh, Stirring the Fire, and uh, lots of things to pack into today, I yeah. I expect. Yeah, yeah, lots of things. All right, let's jump into it. Um, Randy, go well, for it. One of the uh, things I read weeks ago in, in sort of a preparation for this was from a resource that I turned to on occasion called Desiring God. And they had uh, an article, and I don't know when it was written, but it was uh, called Racism and Corporate Evil, A White Guy's Perspective. And uh, it really caused me to pause and to think and to reflect just a bit um, in the sense, uh, because I have been one who has said I did not, whether it was slaves or what, I don't care what the issue is, as an individual, I did not participate in these activities um, and yet, at the annual conference in the last, I, think I want it was to say two years four ago, or five maybe. years, uh, we maybe had uh, repentance services uh, for uh, Black American brothers and sisters. We've had services of repentance for Native Americans. Uh, I used to participate in a prayer group in Galesburg a long time ago, and part of what we did was uh, what Daniel did in chapter nine when he repented for the sins of the nation um, and then went back to uh, again reflections from this desiring God went back to Achan in Judges chapter 7 when uh, Joshua wasn't it or Joshua, Joshua chapter, chapter 7, seven yeah. yeah when um, um, the Israelites were fighting an enemy. Um, this is just a simple, broad brush of it. They were fighting an enemy. God says, do not take anything into your homes. Uh, and at that point, they were winning those battles. And Achan took some artifacts or relics or important things into his home on his own. Uh, and um, because of that, the nation began to lose the battle they were in. And um, then there was a plea that went out to God, and God said, well, you broke my covenant, the covenant that you and I made how we were going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it came down to Achan was the one, uh, and there's, it, there's a long story that goes with it. Go back it came, and, and read, folks, uh, Joshua chapter 7. It really is. Some, and 6 and 8. And yeah, <laughs> it really is some good stuff there. But basically, uh, he confessed that he had this stuff, and they found it. Mm-hmm. And the children of Israel stoned him and his family for his disobedience, and that changed the course then again. Um, it, it, I, I just found that fascinating along with um, – um, oh, my mind is just brain dead this morning – Daniel 9, mm-hmm. when he was talking about the, um, the sins of the people, and he began to confess – for the whole nation of Israel and repent before God. And I just found that interesting in the sense that I've been part of prayer groups that have repented for the sins of the nation throughout the last 40 years, which at some level you think, well, I didn't do this, but at another level I'm a part of the system. Right. Right. Um, 
again, I, I had mentioned yesterday morning my interest in systems and some of the things that we do and we believe and we act about or act out without thinking are part of a systemic evil that exists. I was uh, reading about um, how how our decisions sometimes affect our families. Absolutely. And we particularly, I think, in this country, I'm not so sure in other places, it is at the level that it is here. Our individualistic lifestyle. Our individualistic yeah. pieces that somehow, even though we weren't directly involved, uh, we're still part of the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes our, our, our partnership in the system brings us to a place where we know what's going on and we support it. Or we don't do anything about it, which is supporting it. Right. I'm, I, we know what's going on and we don't su- and we support it. We know what's going on and maybe we don't support it, but we don't do anything. Uh, we know what's going on and don't care. Mm-hmm. Or we don't know what's going on and we still don't care. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, somehow it seems to me that, that as Christians, we have to take a different approach to that that God brings us into a community relationship. He talks about the gifts of the Spirit. If we go back to Romans for a moment, he talks about the gifts of the, uh, the, gifts of the Spirit that we have communally as the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and that if we don't live in that communal relationship, we're not going to experience all of the fullness of God. Um, as I think about that uh, in, uh, in our responsibilities as people in this world, as we, if we as Christians don't pay attention, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty sometimes because I just get tired. There's sometimes when I disconnect from the news because I get tired. Uh, but that disconnection is giving evil a place mm-hmm. uh, by our non-response. I don't know whether I agree with this. Somebody said that non-response means we're in agreement with. Right. That's an interesting thought i again i'm not sure whether i necessarily am in total agreement but there is a level of that uh and so when we talk about evil when we talk about and, and it can be evil in any any manner any form i don't care what it is when we talk about evil it's really hard i think for us to to look back and say is the system wrong hmm. And sometimes, even if we know a system is really wrong, how do I, one person here in Bloomington Normal, Illinois, how do I make a difference in that? Um, And there's lots of, (laughs) you know, I want to jump into the wall thing. I want to jump into uh, the deportation of children. I want to jump into a whole bunch of things. and, and maybe I should, but I, uh, I, I was just reflecting throughout, even yesterday morning as we were speaking this, um, and Desiring God, God called it corporate evil or systematic evil, and how we, how we as Christians really grab that at a deeper level than just say, I hear this, that's a good sermon, it, it was nice to preach that, but how do we grab it in such a way that we really engage in doing something with it? 
rather than just continuing on? I, th- I think part of that is that the church has participated um, in so many ways in corporate evil. Um, and that's embarrassing to say. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and and uh, didn't listen to um, or were a part of worship the last week or two, you might want to catch those um, to put this in context, what we're doing um, today. Uh, but we've talked a lot about racism and um uh, I look around uh, the United Methodist Church, I look around our conference, I look around Calvary, and um, uh, Calvary particularly is uh, uh, pretty homogeneous. Um, and um, when we're not all lily white, um, how, how do we respond? Are we welcoming? Probably. Is there more that we can do? Uh, absolutely there is. Um, and even if we um, are, are, are not um, um, receiving uh, uh, or reaching out to um, people of other cultures, we can certainly be a part of the solution. Um, I, one of the things we talked about was being in relationship with people, and um, there's there's something coming up at our friends uh, Kent and Kathy King Nobles at Normal First United Methodist are hosting an event. Um, let me just give a plug for that. Um, Tuesday, September 26th, and uh, they're going to show a documentary, Against All Odds, The Fight for a Black Middle Class, um, and then have a panel discussion by local community leaders. And I know that um, they are, are reaching out to the community to try to, to be a positive influence in race relations. And um, I would just invite us to be a part of that and in anything that we can be a part of. I know outreach um, has been uh, doing quite a few things all over the community. <laughs> and um, uh as we are, are in that community, I've talked to Matt Burgess at uh, Home Sweet Home about making sure that um, not just in terms of race, but also socioeconomically, that we aren't insulting to people, um, that we aren't the um, rich white folks coming in from North Normal um, to look down our noses at people. And, and he is willing to, to talk with us about how not to do that. But um, I think as we um, become friends and, um, and walk side by side um, with folks, we're, until we do that, we're not going to really know what's, what's in their lives. Um, I, I think about uh, corporate racism and, and the town I came from um, the the story is that years and years ago we had a, a, a train that came through town and uh, people would if the train came through at the wrong time people would shoot uh, anybody of color as they came through on the train um, I don't know how um, it, you know, and that, that sticks with the community for a while. You know what I mean? It's not like when that generation died off, those opinions died off. Because we teach it to our children. Whether we mean to or not, we teach it to our children. Um, and they teach it to their children. 
and just by the uh, the words that they use, the way they talk. Um, so, uh, you know, when we talk about what the church does, how are we teaching it to, what are we teaching our children? What are we doing differently? You know? I had, uh, and I don't have permission to share names, but I, I uh, let me say we appreciate all the stories, all the yeah, definitions absolutely. that you have sent us. Uh, I got a, a story late last night from somebody that was talking about um, their son in school and the group of friends he had. And uh, the group of friends he had uh, uh, included uh, two Asian young boys. I mean, this was young kids. Okay. Two Asian young boys, uh, uh, one from... Uh, one or two from the Hispanic community, one or two from the black community, and, and his son. And he asked his son about the diversity of the group. And, of course, his son didn't know what diversity was, even when he explained it to him. Because for him, there was no diversity. They mm-hmm. were just friends. Mm-hmm. And I, those kinds of stories encourage me to think that uh, we can create new generations uh, of folks who have a different view of people in general. And it isn't just about ourselves. Um, one of the things that I find interesting uh, when I think about how does the gospel address systematic evil, whatever evil it is, um, initially, uh, initially, and sometimes solely, we talk about, well, if we just get somebody saved, that mm-hmm. will fix the problems. Yeah. And that's, that really is not true at all. It may start the process, but it does not. It does not square us away. I'm not even sure that's a good term. It doesn't bring us to a place of the holy, righteous living that sometimes uh, we reach out for. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about some of the different theology tracks. And I've read so much over the last two weeks that my mind's a bit fuzzy uh, because my mind is gone. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 you know. So, but we talk about the covenant track or the classical theology track or the reformed theology track and the different ways that um, they impact our thinking about what changes or how it changes or how it should change. Um, Isaac, that's that's kind of in in your realm. Having been in the seminary, um, did you see those um, different kinds of? I mean, did you did you study liberation theology and and that kind of a thing, um, or did you oh, teach sure. it? I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and and what did you grasp from that, or what would you? Um. That's a large question. Can you narrow that down? Yeah, it is a large question. <laughs> um, Sorry to be. How can how can we as um, and I, I'm not trying to put us all in the same class, but as uh, upper class, middle upper class white folks, um, in terms of liberation theology, how can we look at scripture differently, um, at the way we live out scripture differently? Well, I think it does actually begin with looking at Scripture differently. Uh-huh. I think that's one of the um, one of the trademarks of um, movements like liberation theology is to say that um, 
the lens with which you interpret uh, needs to be uh, changed out mm-hmm. um, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the lens that uh, typically gets applied with um, with a liberation uh, theology is to to read the scriptures from the uh, perspective as much as you as you can of those who are on the outside who are marginalized um, and uh, assume that this text is for them mm-hmm. and not for you mm-hmm. so whenever you uh, as someone who is uh, incredibly privileged in mm-hmm. terms of the world economic state all Americans mostly mm-hmm. are but certainly middle-class white Americans in Bloomington Normal are Mm -hmm. certainly at the top of that pile. Um, When you see um, references to the rich in Scripture, that's you. Yes. Um, When you see references to those in power, that's you. Um, And we often want to put ourselves in the the role of the Samaritan or in the role of... um, you know, the centurion who recognizes Jesus at the cross, but that's from a liberation a theology perspective, that's not us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it helps us see ourselves in a, a different light, not in one that is intended to necessarily um, beat us down, mm-hmm. but to open our eyes to a different understanding of what the gospel um, really can be mm-hmm. um, in in certain cultures. Uh, and so that's one thing I think that um, that kind of um, it's more than intellectual exercise, but mm-hmm. um, that particular frame of reference um, helps us, mm-hmm. I think, um, not not appropriate that for ourselves. I think that's inappropriate, but <laughs> um, but to uh, to recognize who we are a little bit more um, in terms of in terms of how God sees us and mm-hmm. those around us, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be really helpful. I mean, I, yeah. to read Scripture with that lens, sure, um, always helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I and I liked, I liked what you said about changing out that lens sometimes. And yeah, that's you know. the that's the the trap I think in any kind of any kind of reading is to go. This is the lens with yeah. which uh, it's the only appropriate thing. And you know, also on the other side of that extreme is to say we just swap lenses indeterminately and yeah. you know so quickly that it doesn't make any difference at all. That's right. you know that's not helpful either. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. I think sometimes. Um we could probably throw several in here, Reformed theology or some classical theology that emphasizes, and I probably grew up in that realm that emphasizes the individual's salvation as a top priority, mm-hmm. has left out many times uh, the corporate piece to that. Um, and I think that that has probably precipitated some of the th- some of the occurrences that are going on in our country, sure, uh, with with uh, lots of different conversations. Uh, it's it's about my salvation. It's about my goodness. It's mm-hmm. about my righteousness. It's all about, and we uh, we've we've not grasped the fullness. And I, again, Paul writes it in his letters throughout his epistles. He talks about. Uh, 
how the church is to be something more than just an individual mm-hmm. or just a group of individuals. Um, and it's just interesting to rethink that uh, in, in, in a different way. The lens, uh, the, the lens thing is, uh, um, it, it's just a great illustration for nothing, no other reason to sit down and do some searching and thinking about, um, for me, it's from historical perspectives in the sense of, of even teaching this class that I teach, uh, even teaching the class that we're teaching again next year on, on evangelism, to go back and think about how some of our theology uh, developed. I mean, uh, uh, I heard the bishop talking the other day, and he was talking about renewal, and he started to say revival, mm-hmm. but that word has such a connotation to it. He left the taste there without actually putting it on the plate. Uh, he just alluded to it ever so subtly. And, and most folks knew what he was saying, but he hesitated to say it. Uh, in the same way, uh, evangelism is, is a word. I'm getting off track, and I know it, but I, you know, I can't help myself some days. Evangelism is a word that no longer is, is a word that's counted valuable and experience necessarily that's counted valuable. Um, and for me, I, I like to go back then and begin to think, what else that I have either learned or have accepted or um, is accepted? Uh, because I have a tendency to poke sometimes. Uh, what else is there that we need to rethink in terms of not only today, but what we're teaching our kids about tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if that's helpful and in, for in folks, subtle, but I, sometimes ways. I think it's just a good to go back and say, now, why, why do I believe it this way? Why do I see it this way? I think those kinds of questions might help this, the systemic sense of evil or this corporate sense of evil to say, why do we do it this way? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, I'm old enough to have caught the tail end of the 60s revolution where, or revolution, evolution, whatever it was, chaos, where we questioned why anything happened, why we did everything. Um, and there's, while that is most unsettling to establishments, I think it has to circle itself around every mm-hmm. so many years. I don't know whether it's 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. It has to circle itself around. Are we just begin to, without thought, do things, say things, be things? Uh, and there's lots of stuff that gets picked up and thrown into that pot, and suddenly we're somebody that we're not really, we didn't intend to be. Well, In our case, that God didn't intend us to be. But. Right, and, and um, it takes a lot to change that as we have added to it. I mean, just in a very small way, we can look at the church and uh, something that we've done for two or three years, if we stop it, man, anybody hear feedback uh, if we stop things after two years? You know, but we've always done that. Um, so imagine in a culture trying trying to change that. I have um, been known to apologize on behalf of the church, not just a local church, but a general church for hurting people, Uh, people who have been beat up in a church and not even the church that I'm serving at the time, but have felt like the church has hurt them. Um, and, And I have said to them, 
I am sorry. I'm sorry for, on behalf of the church, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I apologize for our behavior. And it wasn't over even huge issues like racism. No. It was just over little issues like them offering an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I Well, and, and in some cases it is um, uh, maybe not race, but it may be other, other theological um, views or, or the way they live their lives or whatever. Um, and, and we're wrong. And we have to admit that we're wrong. So how do you do something about this? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that next week in terms of, of um, how to respond to evil. How do you come overcome evil? What's right. Good? How right. do you do that? And we have to first recognize that, as Isaac was saying in, in terms of reading the scripture, that we are a part of the evil. <laughs> the evil isn't them. Sometimes the evil is us. Even you know? when we're good. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is the that is the the power I think of Scripture is to say that it addresses all parts of us. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily just um, bolster up the good parts or um, you know uh, really focus on the bad parts. It it engages us in the totality of our humanity, which uh, at times we are the Egyptians who are mm-hmm. doing the enslavement, and at times we are the people who need to be liberated. And the, you know, the aware and um, astute person of God is the one who takes the time to figure out which one they are at that moment mm-hmm. and, and correct themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I think that's the power of Scripture in the life of, of the Christian, um, but it takes a very kind of disciplined reading to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's something that just doesn't pop up on the surface and then, you know hit you, you feel good about it, and then you, you walk away. It really is a, um, well, I don't know any other word than, than a discipline mm-hmm. of, of reading that way. And, um, you know, we, we've got 2,000 years of uh, people uh, teaching us how to do that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we're in good company, but that doesn't make it easy. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm calling time. I'm asking that. you to call time. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're, uh, we're right toward the tail end, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have anything to add to this, um, uh, we'd love to hear that. You can get in touch with us uh, through all the, the regular channels that uh, have existed, do exist, and will exist in <laughs> perpetuity until the end comes, um, which, which is Facebook. Please, Lord which, Jesus. Which, which is Facebook. So. Uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, until then, uh, grace and peace, and we'll be back next week.